Arsenal legends Paul Merson, John O'Shea and Wes Brown are coming to Dublin. It's an exclusive off-air event, so if you want to be there, get on to offtheball.com forward slash events. Just Eat, the official food delivery partner of the UEFA Champions League. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now. Time to turn our attention to the the Women's Champions League from last night. Gilly Flaherty, delighted to say, joins us, the uh, UEFA licensed coach and former professional footballer. Morning, Gilly, how are things? Yeah, good, thank you. Yourselves? All good, all good here. Thanks for popping on. Um, I guess we have to talk Chelsea-Barcelona first of all. And Chelsea earning a draw at uh, the new Camp, or at Barcelona, the first team to do that in four years, which is uh, quite impressive. Not enough to get them in over the line into the final, but um, they've come a long way from that thrashing in the final a couple of years ago. Yeah, and I mean, I think, I mean, so I covered both legs um, and you could tell that there was a probably a nervousness about Chelsea. I do think that, obviously, a lot of people have been talking about their previous game and the result and being 4-0 down at half-time. And I do feel, feel that there wasn't, I wouldn't say fear, but I think that was in the back of players, management's minds um, in regards to the way they set up. This Barcelona are one of the best, if not the best in the world, and you have to give them that respect too. Um, but so obviously to go to the new Camp, only be 1-0 on the night, um, it is positive for Chelsea. Uh, there is a part of me, though, that would, when watching the game, I just thought, are you going to go for it? Because, you know, it's the Champions League semi-final, you need to sort of risk it, but yeah, I think Chelsea can can hold their heads up high, and this and Barcelona, like I said, are, are the best in the world. How impressive was it that that Chelsea, regardless of the result over on aggregate in the end, they they responded like four minutes after Barca take the lead, they get the goal back. They're pushing for a winner there in front of seventy thousand fans as well. So they didn't let the heads drop when Barcelona took the lead uh, last night either. No, I mean they they kept going for it, but obviously with, with Chelsea they played a a three five two. Um, over these two legs, which they haven't really done in the WSL. So it, they, have, they have to play a different way. You know, obviously in the WSL, they're used to having possession of the ball a lot of the time in games, but it was different for them. Barcelona had the, had the possession um, for majority of the game and they had to just be patient. But I mean, Marimielda and Magdalena Eriksson, who have been in and out of the team this year, obviously with Millie Bright and Kadish Buchanan both being missing, uh, injured, they they come in and they were both fantastic over two legs. Like they dealt with Barcelona's front line incredibly well. And I mean, they're, they've for me, they've earned their spot, you know, going forward. And obviously people were talking about Millie Bright and, and Buchanan being two big losses for Chelsea, but uh, Mag, uh, Magdalena Eriksson and, and Mielda really stepped up. Will it, will it play into Chelsea's hands at all in, in terms of the, the title race? I mean, they, they probably have the... They don't have the points on the board uh, over Manchester United, but they have those games in hand and an FA Cup final to look forward to as well. So, in one sense, albeit a Champions League final would have been brilliant, but they can now fully concentrate on the d- domestic trophies. Yeah, I mean, I know the Champions League is the one trophy that Emma wants um, and the club want more than anything, but it's just not to be this year. And obviously, now that's done and dusted, they have, like you said, they've got the FA Cup final... Um, to focus on, I mean, tonight, obviously, Man United and Villa play. Um, Chelsea don't play till next week, so they'll have three games in hand on Man United after tonight's game. Um, if Emma's always said about whether the team are best um, chasing or being the ones leading the pack, and she's experienced both as a manager. So for Chelsea, they're in the best situation because 
she's going to be a manager who will say, listen, we just focus on us. It doesn't matter if United keep winning because ultimately it's in Chelsea's hands to lose. If Chelsea win the remaining games, they'll be champions. But if they slip up, then obviously then it's then harder to get those points. So they do have the games in hand. Um, and obviously at the moment, they're four points behind United with two games in hand. But obviously that will go to, to three tonight. So it's in their hands to lose. What's your sense of how that plays out, Gilly? Obviously, we've seen in the Premier League how a team have been keeping the seat hot for the inevitable push from another team. Is that the case for, for this United team, that once Chelsea use up those uh, games in hand, that, that ultimately they're going to, as you see it, to, to pip United? Or are United showing signs already that they're uh, the best team in the country? Yeah, I mean, it's very similar. Um, I was listening to a conversation last night um, where they were saying two ex-men footballers were saying how Arsenal have, have led the way in the men's Premier League, but they don't have the experience, whereas City obviously do. Um, and it's a bit similar to the women's women's game because a lot of people have been saying about Man United, they, they don't have the experience of leading all the way. Um, obviously, last season they led up until Christmas and obviously then they started dropping points. But people have been saying that they're, they're waiting for them to slip up. But United keep proving people wrong and all they keep doing is keep winning three points. Um, and that's all they can do is focus on themselves. But like I said, it's Chelsea's really to lose because they do have the games in hand. If they win the remainder of their games, then obviously they do win the league. But obviously you've still got um, some big games coming up for both clubs. Um, there still will be points dropped going forward. But yeah, I mean, United just got to do what they keep doing and, and keep proving people wrong and picking up the points. That, that United Villa game tonight, Jilly, like United showed a lot of positive attitude in the win over Arsenal last weekend. So clearly, that when, when it comes to the big games and the title-defining games, they know how to get the results uh, over the line. But but Villa have been impressive this season, and, and not least of late. So that ga- that game tonight is going to be a pretty pretty epic one, you'd imagine. Yeah, and I mean, I, I watched the. I mean, I was covering the Man United Arsenal game um, at the Lee Stadium, and. It, I mean, in all honesty, it was it was quite a boring game to be honest with you. It weren't both teams are sort of not wanting to make a mistake. You know, they was like trying to suss each other out, but you knew that it would end up being a mistake for one team for a player to get through. But if you're looking at obviously the Aston Villa's form, um, probably since Christmas onwards, they've been unbelievable. Um, and so it's, it's not going to be an easy test. Obviously, they're going to, to Aston Villa's ground too, um, which isn't the most easiest stadium to go to and the easiest pitch to play on. But I mean, it's it'll be an exciting game, but they know it's, they've got to play these tough, difficult games to to win the league and, and to pick the points up. I wanted to ask you before we, we touch on some more of those games on, on the comments from, from Daniel Levy this week as well, Jilly, because they've caused a little bit of uh, consternation, uh, understandably. So uh, for anyone who hasn't heard these, he thinks the uh, WSL should get rid of relegation and promotion, adopt a, a single table format. His logic is that clubs would feel more comfortable investing in the women's team if they knew that they were guaranteed top-flight football, I guess. Um, and then the, the counter-argument is that uh, if, if owners just invest, relegation won't be a concern regardless. So what, what's your take on all this? Yeah, well, I mean, I agree with that. I mean, when I saw that come out, um, <laughs> I had to be very careful with what... I, I wanted to put something out on Twitter, um, but Twitter can be a very dangerous place for those sort of things. But for me... My point would be, would he still be feeling the same way if Tottenham weren't in a relegation battle themselves? You know, this is everyone sort of come out and said, he's only saying this because his club, after it, he has, they have invested in it because they went and signed Beth England for 250000 in January. They're currently sitting three points off the bottom um, and they are in the relegation 
battle. So would he still have the same opinion? For me, I, I, I personally like the method of promotion and relegation. Um, and, and the thing is with the WSL, like a lot of people, including myself, have been pushing for the league to increase and for the relegation places to increase as well to two because the championship below, quite a lot of them now, if not most teams are full-time, they're, they're, they're pushing each other all the way and then you've only got one promotion place. So, I mean, I'm one of those people who support the two up, two down, um, but I don't agree at all with no promotion and no relegation. But my point would be, would he still feel the same if Tottenham weren't sitting fourth from bottom or three points off the bottom? There's a whiff of Super League yeah. greed off it, isn't there? It's like it's almost get rid of the jeopardy and keep the money. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 just that like you can't... Women's WSL doesn't need necessarily a huge amount of investment in your clubs um, compared to obviously what the men's men's team does. Um, but it's just sort of, I don't know, the, the time it come out, it was after the men had just got thumped by Newcastle. Was it sort of a deflection from that? Um, I'm not too sure, but I like the WSL where it is. You know, I've, I've played in the WSL my whole career um, since it first founded and I don't, I don't personally want it going to a no relegation, no promotion league. I wanted to ask uh, Jilly just about the role of Everton over the next few weeks as uh, queen makers almost. Um, it feels almost like a ridiculous thing to say in some regards given that they're kind of petering their way to a mid-table finish. They've not an awful lot to play for ahead of them and they're not going to get uh, dragged into the battle below them. But they do have Chelsea next weekend, they've Arsenal after that and they've City before the uh, month is out. Not a great run for them but in, in their role as queen makers it could be really important in, in terms of where the title ends up. Yeah, and I mean, I, I've been at well, I've been at West Ham where we was in the position towards the end of the season where you don't you're safe from relegation, you can't win nothing, but you know that you can have a say in, in where the league goes. Um, and for that, as a player, when you when you do have that not that bitterness because you think I can't win nothing this year, um, you do have it where you say, well, listen if we nick points off this team, that's going to affect this and that's going to affect that. And you want to be the party spoilers a little bit. I remember um, my last season there, we had Arsenal in the last game of the season and Chelsea were playing Man United and it could have gone to Chelsea's ground or it could have gone to Arsenal, depending on the result. And I remember Man United were winning and all the Arsenal fans were cheering, saying like they're, they're winning, they're winning, like we're going to win the league. It's almost, obviously, they beat us. And then, um, I mean, we ended up losing 2-0 anyway. But the whole thing of we could stop them winning the league, especially at our ground as well, we didn't want that happening. Um, but then Chelsea went on to win anyway, so it was didn't really matter what Arsenal done. But to, that, that's a pr- pretty dangerous position to be in in regards to the likes of Everton, Liverpool. We were sitting mid-table that they can be party spoilers 100%. Um, on Arsenal, uh, you mentioned you've, you've brought them up, so we might as well touch on them as well, Gilly. But that that uh, comeback draw against Wolfsburg midweek hugely impressive. I know you said you watched them against United last weekend, but to come back then and uh, get the the two goals to bring back to the Emirates next week, uh, I guess oh, we, we overuse the word mentality probably. But the injury crisis that's going on at the club and the fact that they can still keep going back to the well and, and pick up results like they did in, in midweek in Germany quite impressive. Yeah, and I mean obviously being at the United Arsenal game when obviously Leah Williamson went down and you just think oh like I mean straight away a lot of people knew that it was a serious injury but for them to lose Leah to lose Kim 
um, in the in the same week. Really, you've got Caitlin Ford, who's been out struggling with injury. Um, obviously, you have now got uh, Steph Catley back, which is huge for them. But the idea of them going into because obviously when they said about Kim Little being injured, the idea then everyone knew really that Leah Williamson would then go into midfield. So then to lose Leah Williamson from midfield, you've then got potentially a, not an inexperienced back line because Jen Beattie come in who is a very experienced player and has done the, the business for Arsenal and for Scotland. Um, but then you've got, you, you're not taking your strength from the centre-back into your midfield because you've now lost her too. So I think going into that Wolfsburg game, again, a lot of people thought they've got too many injuries, it's not going to happen. And then obviously going down, conceding so early and so poorly as well. I think a lot of people thought the floodgates are potentially going to open, but they've got fantastic spirit and fantastic fight to come back into that game, not just to make it 2-1, but to go 2-2, um, to bring that back to the Emirates where you've potentially got a sellout crowd as well. And I was there for the game, the home leg against Bayern Munich, and the fans were incredible. So if the fans are going to be the same, if not better, then for me, they'll push Arsenal one. And Wolfsburg didn't look that great as well, to be honest with you. They looked a bit nervy and shaky. So playing at the Emirates with a home crowd the size of that, You've got nothing to lose, really, because no one's probably da- uh, backing you, really, to win it because of the fact of you've lost so many injuries. But I don't know what Jonas Eidevall's doing there, but he's got them believing and that, that they can go on and whether it be there from a losing position or winning position, that they can go on and get the results. And that, that's something that, that's been mo- very impressive from Jonas Eidevall as well. I know he has spoken in press conferences about the the fatigue and maybe the calendar as well and, and the amount of games that are coming at his team. But the fact that he's managed to, to get more and more out of this team regardless and I think the same has been said of, of Brighton this week in the, in the relegation battle as well fatigue is a, is, a, is a word that keeps cropping up in the WSL because of the, uh, the fixture congestion but teams, especially Arsenal at the moment seem capable of dealing with it Yeah, I mean it is difficult because you look at the other side of things and the f- fixture congestion but you look at Liverpool for example who They'd played a game and they hadn't played a game for three weeks. And I remember when I come on here in January, I think they'd said that they had a month until their next game. So it is the other side of the spectrum as well, where it's sort of, you've got a lot of games for clubs like Man's uh, Arsenal, Chelsea, for example, who are in the Champions League. They're through the latter stages of the Cubs, compared to the likes of, say, Liverpool, who went three weeks and four weeks without a game. Um, and not just once, too. So it is, it is difficult. Um, and obviously then you're looking at the players from Arsenal and Chelsea, who... Man City, Man United, who all go away and play for England and their countries and, and they play a lot of minutes for their countries too. It's about getting that balance. And obviously, it is going into a World Cup year as well. But for me as a footballer, I loved playing games. I prefer to play games than train. Um, but I know I was fortunate enough not to be on the receiving end really of much injuries. But it is difficult. But that's why you have the squads and you have the, the depth for people to, to step up. Where do you stand then? Because it leads nicely into that point about the FIFA introducing that mandatory release period to protect player welfare, obviously, in the lead into the World Cup. And we saw before the Euros that the experience last year of obviously a lot of teams, England including, getting uh, players in early. What are your thoughts on um, on that kind of piece where there, I guess the ultimate point is to try and protect uh, player at all costs? Yeah, well, I do think it's important. I think because of the fact of we've got, we had the Olympics, then we had the Euros, because obviously because of COVID, then we've got the World Cup. Then next year, we've got the, the Olympics again. Then the Euros. It's like they're going to have a while until they have their break. Um, so for me, it's, it's important. Whether it be two weeks, you know, I feel like sometimes a lot of countries potentially feel like they're going to lose a lot of fitness during those two weeks. And players don't really rest for two weeks either. They'll mm. be 
still ticking over. Um, and players are not silly, you know, they they can't afford to have two weeks of literally not doing nothing because you're going into a World Cup. So they're professionals, you know, they'll still keep ticking over. But I think the mental side of it, like to go from a season, then in potentially into a pre-tournament camp where you're away for four weeks or whatever, it is difficult. Um, and you have to look after people emotionally and mentally as well, as well as physically, because you no, know, sometimes you can, you can, your body can be fine in regards to fatigue, but mentally you're, you're tired. Um, and that makes you feel even worse physically, you know, but really in regards to loading and stuff, you might have had a quiet week, but if you're tired up here, then it, it makes no difference really in regards to how fresh you are body-wise because that will make you feel tired anyway. So we've just got to look after and protect players because we've got a busy few years coming up. Can Manchester City still have a role in this this uh, title race, uh, Julie? Because the the win over one of your other former clubs, West Ham, the six two win uh, was quite emphatic last time out, and and they still look like they're they're right in the fight. Yeah, and I mean obviously that they've got to play Man United too. Um, they're three points off of United, same games played. Um, so again, you're looking at that that fixture. You, you, one of them's going to drop points, mm. if not both of them. Um, so, but again, I think with City. They are a team that are just focusing on themselves. Obviously, they've not got the FA Cup final to think about. They've just literally got the league to focus on. And I think that will help them. Um, but And, and they're, they're experienced at doing it. I mean, that they had a bit of a, a, a tough start, a bit of a rocky start. Um, but they've managed to get themselves up into, into second place. Um, so, yeah, I think... I think they'll... Uh, I think they'll... I think they'll do good. I think they'll get in the Champions League spots. Um, but, again, you... Teams going to uh, drop points against each other, so it's exciting to see what happens. Can I just ask you very briefly, finally, on um, Kitty McCabe as Arsenal captain? I guess all these injuries have led to um, the armband having to be thrown around different stages of the season. But uh, from an Irish perspective, I guess we love to see Kitty taking on that leadership role that she has uh, at times with her country as well. So it's good to see, and, and someone who clearly is a born leader. Yeah, I mean she is. I mean she stepped up for Arsenal as well. Um, obviously losing Kim, losing Nia, she's got the armband on at the moment. Um, but again, she she has that fight, she has that tenacious side of her, which was needed against Wolfsburg. You know, she wasn't afraid to put her foot in. And it'll be players like Katie McCabe who will lead this Arsenal team on going forward into what is the business end of the season. Julie, thanks, million as always. Thank you. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now.